Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Coming up on DTNS, the CES advance announcements continue. New stuff from Samsung. Also, why people don't want Verizon to turn off 3G and why the ability to draw a radish in a tutu is a legitimately big AI advance. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, January 6th, 2021 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. From the Frog Pants Studios in Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. Uh, we were just talking about donuts and coffee on Good Day Internet uh, because we were trying to avoid the rest of the world. Suffice to say, I decided not to wear my electrical college sweatshirt today because it wasn't as funny anymore. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Android police reported back in December that some Pixel 5 phones were playing system audio at the highest possible volume, despite users saying, no, don't play it at this level. Google has rolled out a fix now for the issue as part of the Pixel's January update, which also improves the Pixel 4a, 4a 5G, and 5's auto brightness and some lighting conditions, also fixes an issue that was causing some speaker noise on the Pixel 4a, 5G, and squashes a bug affecting Pixel 3 devices and newer devices that made certain apps intermittently restart. WhatsApp finally did it, updated its terms of service and privacy policy so that now it says information collected by WhatsApp can be used by other Facebook companies and you don't have a way to opt out. Other Facebook companies will be able to access account registration and phone number, transaction data, service-related information, interaction information, mobile device information, and IP address. They could get it before, but you had to Uh, say it was okay. Now they're just going to take it if you use WhatsApp. Among other things the data will be used for is to target you with ads. The new policy goes into effect February 8th and is required to continue using WhatsApp services. Cannot imagine anyone will be upset about this. No, not at all. Pioneer and Onkyo are both showing off some pretty cool new AV receivers. Maybe you're in the market for one. These support HDMI 2.1 compatibility, 8K video, gaming features such as VRR, and offering Dolby Atmos and DTSX. Supported streaming protocols include Apple AirPlay 2, Chromecast, works with Sonos, and DTS PlayFi. The receivers will allow voice control through both Google's and Amazon's assistance and offer two-way Bluetooth communication for streaming from phones or listening on headphones. Intel launched RealSense ID, which combines depth sensors and machine learning to add on-device depth perception capabilities for facial recognition, like face unlock. Intel says it adapts to changes like your hairstyle and your glasses, works in various lighting conditions, and 
a range of heights and complexions. They're saying they tried this on more than white men. Uh, It's got some anti-spoofing tech, has one in one million false acceptance rate. That's what they claim. RealSense ID will cost $99 launching Q1 2021 for manufacturers. Not something you can buy off the shelf. Uh, So expect it to show up in things like smart locks, ATMs, access control systems, and stuff like that. Samsung is revealing more C-Lab experiment products at this year's virtual CES, including EasyCal, not a calendar app. It's actually an app that automatically calibrates your TV's picture quality. Others include Scan and Dive, which is an IoT scanner that can help identify fabric and recommend care options. Maybe you're like, is this a cashmere sweater? Food and Sommelier uses AI to pair food and wine for your home-cooked meals. And AirPocket is a portable oxygen storage device you can wear on your face mask. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Alibaba. Alibaba, one of the biggest tech companies in China, is not having a good time. Reuters reports it plans to raise at least $5 billion in U.S. dollar-denominated bonds this month as a test. Alibaba is facing serious antitrust investigations in China, uh, not only about it, but also about Ant Group. Remember, Ant Group halted its IPO last month as a result of investigations. Ant Group is the fintech arm of Alibaba. Jack Ma has pretty much disappeared from public view while he sits out these investigations. And so a bond sale could be used to test investor sentiment. How upset are you about the withdrawal of the IPO, about the antitrust investigations, etc.? But the trouble doesn't end there. Alibaba faces the president of the United States naming Alipay among eight Chinese apps in an executive order similar to the orders against TikTok and WeChat. The order would prohibit companies from engaging in transactions, the implication being that Apps like Alipay would need to be removed from app stores. The other apps named are Cam Scanner. By the way, first app uh, that has ever been named in one of these executive orders that I actually have on my phone. Haven't used it in a while, but it's a thing I've used. Uh, Cam Scanner, Share It, Tencent QQ, VMate, all uh, uh, would not would be under this ban. In fact, VMate is published by Alibaba Group's subsidiary UC Web, so that's another bad news for Alibaba. The Beijing Kingsoft Office Software's WPS Office also on there. U.S. alleges the apps could be, quote, used to track the locations of federal employees and contractors and build dossiers of personal information as the justification for the order. Interesting. Do they think the... Uh, well, I guess can't speak for them or wonder they're not going to answer me, but I'm trying to understand how something like Alipay would threaten a federal employee or contractor I mean, unless they were all into Alipay. It gets tricky, right? But if you're using Alipay is mostly used by Chinese tourists, so it's just going to hurt your tourist dollars not to have Alipay available. But yeah. let's say a federal employee was using Alipay to pay for something. Uh, theoretically, that company now knows what they spent their money on, where they spent it, uh, you know, just like Square or PayPal or Apple Pay could as well. It's a matter of whether you trust the company to treat that data with the discretion that you believe it should be treated with. And what this executive order is accusing is that, no, they don't. Alipay, the implication is, shares this with the Chinese government. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if, like you said, if this thing... Um if this sort this sort of thing gets repealed immediately under a new president or if this stuff sits for a while, if it stews, if it's more across the aisle than I think it is that everybody's a little bit more worried about Chinese apps than than the current administration. We'll yeah, have to I mean, wait and see. They're saying they'll they'll enforce this before January 20th. Uh, we'll see if it ends up getting hung up in court like TikTok and WeChat, though, and then we'll see what the next president does. 
Well, speaking of getting hung up on, <laughs> that's a phone <laughs> service story. Verizon 3G network will seemingly get another stay of execution. Verizon had initially said its 3G network would be shut down at the end of 2019. That's now been a while ago. Uh, later delaying it to the end of 2020 in response to inquiries from Light Reading, a Verizon spokesperson said, quote, our 3G network is operational and we don't have a plan to shut it down at this time, unquote. Although clarifying later that they did intend to shutter the network as soon as it was possible. Uh, the carrier stopped activating 3G devices in July of 2018. AT&T has announced that they have plans to shut down 3G in early 2022 with T-Mobile saying a shutdown would come over the next several years. 3G is used by some users, especially in areas not covered by 4G, uh, but it's also widely used by companies for Internet of Things and other uh, services and devices you might have. Toyota uh, has warned customers that it is safe, uh, excuse me, that it's safety connect services in North America, including collision notification and roadside assistance, will stop working after November 1st, 2022, due to this 3G network shutdown. Uh, meanwhile, Kenya's Sar- Safaricon, uh, com rather, announced Tuesday that it would suspend deployment of its 5G network, which it has been building using Huawei technology. CEO Peter Nagenwa said that Safaricon would focus on converting existing customers from 2G and 3G to a 4G service. Yeah, so, well, so I mean, yeah, Sarah, ahead, this affects you directly, right? It does. Yeah, I'm a Verizon customer. I have been for years. And I wasn't seeing 3G all that often until I moved to where I live currently. Uh, at my house, I've, I use Wi-Fi calling, so it doesn't really ever factor in, and you know, or I'm on you know my Wi-Fi network in general. But around where I live, you know, if I walk a hundred yards outside of my yard, I'm on 3G if I'm lucky. That's the only thing that I'm getting. LTE is dead, um, and there are just some dead spots when you live in the woods. Uh, so 3G not being available at all would actually impact me pretty negatively because it saved me a few times when I'm, you know, trying to get a hold of somebody. However, I understand that the companies are saying we'd like to wind this down. We're trying to get everybody upgraded. But yeah, Verizon saying we're going to do this at the end of 2019. It's like, that's not happening. And of 2020, not happening. We're, we are not yet ready. Uh, and sounds like some of the other uh, uh, providers are saying, yeah, we need a little bit more time. But I think the Internet of Things devices, the things that you don't even think about, you'd think about them being Internet connected, but what are they being connected on type stuff? Uh, maybe mm. there's not a lot of bandwidth that's needed. Those devices needing to be, I don't know, upgraded or rendered obsolete, that'll be a little bit more interesting. Yeah. I, one thing I did want to say about it is I do have a very strong memory of the 3G rollout period. Uh, all the talk was that so many new devices will be able to use this service. So many new things will be able to to happen. I remember um, roaming kits for doing uh, broadcasting with a little backpack on your back. People would walk around with those and say, yeah, it's 3G connected. <laughs> and it's not only till later that I started to realize, well, wait a minute. That means all that stuff either had to grow at the times and figure out a way to upgrade radios if they did. Or if they didn't, you know, new models had to be made like that probably left a lot of people in the lurch. And now what are you going to do? Like your, there are old Kindles that use 3g to get to download new books. And it sounds like eventually all that stuff goes. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually remember when, uh, the original Amazon Kindle I had stopped being able to connect except over mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, Right. Uh, because it had a built in 2g connection. Uh, mm. and I'll be honest, Sarah, I'm a little skeptical that Verizon is putting this off because of use like yours. 
I think it's probably some corporate contractor who's exerting some contract clause saying, hey, oh, for sure. This contract says you have to keep 3G service around for this long. And so Verizon's looking at that saying, fine, fine. OK, we'll we'll, we'll extend it for a little longer. But you, we've got to resolve this. Uh, somehow you either need to do a firmware update or swap out your hardware and companies like Toyota, who I don't think Toyota's on Verizon because it's saying like out of our hands, third parties taking it away. So I guess we're done. Uh, it's, it's the problem with building in an internet connection based on a protocol that's not going to last forever, which is, you know, cell cellular networks are not good. All this stuff to your point, Scott, that they're saying, Oh, 5g, 5g can be built into all this stuff. Now it's not going to last forever either. There's going to be something no. replacing it down the road as well. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I, I mean, progress is progress, right? We're moving into a new era. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, theoretically, you should have 4G service in your area, Sarah. That would the way it should work is by now, oh, 4G has rolled out everywhere, and you never need to rely on 3G. Right. Yeah. Oh, and and sometimes that is true. <laughs> It's not always true, though. Right. Uh, trust me, I know. Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point where when I'm on phone calls with people and I'm in my car, I'm like, I'm about to go to a dead area. I'm going to hang up now. I'll call you back in 10 minutes because it's just, otherwise yeah. it's going to get worse. Uh, but, yes, I don't think that Verizon's like, let's think of the rural folks. It's more of, uh, yeah, <laughs> what, like what do we have to do? Yeah. What are we obligated to do? All right, folks, Samsung made a bunch of product announcements ahead of CES uh, with this extra week. Uh, it feels like more CES stuff is trickling out slowly. Samsung soundbars are going to feature tap to pair with your smartphone so you can pair it with Bluetooth just with a tap. Uh, also, Apple AirPlay 2, as well as wider Dolby Atmos comp compatibility in more of the models. Some nifty calibration microphones for setting them up. Uh, some Samsung TVs are going to get something called Smart Trainer. Uh, which will work with Samsung's health app to track you while you work out in front of your TV, uh, track you in the good way of like, you know, making sure you're you're up to speed and using some AI to, to see that you're still exercising. Uh, you would have to attach a Logitech camera to your Samsung television for that to work. So it's a, a lot of ifs and buts there. The Frame TV, first seen in 2017, you know, it's the one that looks like a, a painting when it's not a TV and it comes with like thousands of pieces of art you can put up on it. Uh, it's now just 24.9 millimeters thick about the size of an average art frame honestly uh, and available in more sizes between 32 inch and 75 inches also samsung's qled tvs are now called neo qled that's the samsung buzzword for ces uh, that means it includes mini led based full array local dimming for precise light control and uh the pixels are 40 times smaller the leds are, are 40 times smaller so you can pack in more of them samsung also announced a remote with a solar cell so it keeps charged. Uh, they also announced that their TVs are going to support PS5 and Xbox Series X 4K 120 frames per second input and VRR, just like the Onkyo we heard about earlier, and uh, Google Duo video chat support as well. Uh, so my first uh, thought when I saw this was, that's rad. I want one of these TVs. Look how cool that is. It looks like a framed picture. We're going to hang that up. And then I went... Oh, wait, I plug a lot of things into my TV, and where are those going to go? And then my brain went, well, of course you're going to knock the wall out, Scott, and put them on the other side of some <laughs> closet. So now I'm like all the way back around going, I don't think I want this beautiful frame TV for anything other than... You know, well, it actually, I think it's got a breakout box that you hide somewhere else, but then, yeah, then you have to deal with the frame and, or, or the wires. Right. Yeah, right. depending on you know where you live and how much you can drill into your wall it can get complicated when i saw the new frame tv this morning i was like that's dope i mean it's the the nuts and bolts are really not that different except that it's thinner than ever it looks beautiful for something like 
my living room setup because I need a mounted TV on a swivel just because I have a weirdly shaped house. Uh, this doesn't actually make a lot of sense to me because I like to, especially if you're going to put something on the wall and it's sort of flush and yeah, it looks like art when you're not watching something very cool. As long as you want it to be at that level all the time, once you put it on a stand of some kind or mount it, then it sort of defeats the purpose. So I'm not actually the target market for this. And it's also a little too rich for my pocketbook at this time, but boy, does it look nice. Yeah. You wouldn't, you would, you'd stop and admire it, but I don't know if I just, I, the practicality isn't sinking in yet for me. Unless again, you're just trying to do, or, or you ever got a new office layout and you really want to make every room pop and the conference room yeah. itself would just really benefit from a giant TV that just looked beautiful on that wall and it worried about where it plugged in and you're just good to go. Like that's that sounds amazing, and maybe that's who they're even aiming this for. But I, I, at home, I just can't. For me, I can't see it. I'm a plug and play guy. Samsung sells some invisible wires to go with your Samsung frame TV. I don't know if they bundle any in the box, maybe too. But uh, why? Are, how are they invisible? They're clear. They're just magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, clear. they're not that invisible. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like clear braces. Not as invisible as invisible. Yeah. Uh, Folks, join in the conversation in our Discord. You can join that by linking to a Patreon account at patreon.com slash DTNS. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. All right. OpenAI released two extensions to the GPT-3 deep learning model that are significant advances in getting algorithms to understand how words relate to images. The first extension, Contrastive Language Image Pre-Training, or CLIP for short, identifies what's in an image. It's not new, but what's significant is how it gets trained. Usually models are trained from a data set of images with labels. 
bunch of cat images are labeled cat. Bunch of images of bananas labeled banana. You get the you get the picture. Now, Clip was trained on images and captions taken from the internet, and it learns by identifying which of the thirty-two thousand seven hundred sixty-eight captions go with which images, and then develops the ability to link objects to names and words. That lets it identify objects in images outside of its actual training set. Get smarter. And multiple objects, not just bananas or bananas and cats, more objects altogether. The second extension is called Dolly. It's kind of written like Wally, D-A-L-L-E. Dolly is also trained on text and image pairs taken from the internet. But Dolly creates illustrations based on a short natural language phrase. So an example would be a baby daikon radish in a tutu walking a dog. Doesn't happen that often, but it did well on that one. Or an avocado armchair. You wouldn't believe the results. Did not do as well on a snake made of harp. Snail made of harp, rather. But snake made of harp would be <laughs> Probably equally wouldn't have weird. Probably wouldn't that one either. Yeah. yeah, so you can get weird with it uh, with varying results, but sometimes kind of gets it. OpenAI posted 32 Dolly images ranked by Clip as best matching the description. Mark Riedel of the Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta, Georgia, told MIT Technology Review that he thinks Dolly might do well on the Lovelace 2 test, which measures AI on its ability to blend concepts in a creative way. So not just images, but concepts themselves. While these models are milestones, they do have their limits. Dolly isn't consistent if you rephrase a caption with words that mean the same thing. It can only handle so many objects, and then it kind of starts getting confused. There's also a question of how novel its images actually are and whether those tutu-wearing daikons are copied from the Internet, not actually created from scratch. Oh, that's interesting. That little bit I missed. So, uh, as a, I'm glad that this is today because as someone who does about half his living as an illustrator and artist and cartoonist, this is very interesting to me. For a long time, there's been little ripples of fear around that community saying, well, one day, what's to stop technology for getting so good that they won't need us anymore? It'll just generate images. And on this show, we've talked before about fantasy D&D characters being created uh, from a database that that are a lot like that. This person doesn't exist site, and they all look different. They look like paintings. And what's what's a what's a game developer need to hire an artist for anymore? We'll just use this technology. And so this is just like another step in that direction. But I'm happy to report that these are all kind of cool and weird, but terrible. Like they're terrible, <laughs> and they're not going to work for those kinds of applications. Scott, be nice to the AI. <laughs> okay, right. have you seen the exact same cat on the top as a sketch on the bottom, where they give it a, a photo of a cat and it turns it into a sketch? Yes, and and don't get me wrong, there are going to be uses for this even immediately. Where uh, when this becomes a, a more common thing and it's cheaper to either use this, use this, or use a service this service that gives you this versus contracting something with an artist or an agency. People will use it for some tasks. There'll be reasons why that makes sense. I use that video game reason on purpose because I do think that AI-driven creation of a bunch of characters for your big, expansive uh, RPG is actually not only going to save you a ton of money, but actually works really well. Like, they looked really good, and they were legitimate. Uh, But if you're going to go to somebody and say, look, I want to make this very custom thing with all these reasons why it needs to say this or do this or show this for an important article I'm putting in Newsweek or whatever – 
that illustrator will have an advantage for a very long time over an AI that is given a set of instructions. And, and I, I always feel it's incumbent to point out that's not why they're doing this. They're not doing right, this to replace right. you. Uh, what they're doing is advancing what AI can do. And the big advance here is the semantics. It doesn't really have semantics, but the appearance of semantics is pretty compelling. And that's why the Lovelace 2 test uh, is is really interesting. Like, does this look like it's creative? Like, avocado chair seems obvious to us, but that's a really hard thing for a machine to wrap its head around. And it did it. Uh, so and the idea that you can just say to, to clip, and we're talking about Dolly mostly here, but to clip, to say, uh, Hey, just find an object and not have to have trained it on that object to just have it trained on stuff. So it understands what objects are out there. Again, in a limited space, it, it, it's not widespread. It has a limited data set that it's trained on, but you didn't tell it what objects to learn. It just learned them. Those are huge advances. Right. It's a it's a really neat thing though to see, and uh, you know, again because it would impact me directly, I feel like I have a bias toward it. But I'm actually impressed. Like I'm actually impressed with what it could pull off. I still think it looks terrible. But I also said that about early Photoshop attempts at changing people's faces or deep fake attempts that have come so far since then. So, but you could also, I mean, Scott, you obviously illustrate lots of things all the time. It could be something kind of fun where you're like, this is a ridiculous concept. Maybe I need some inspiration. And you see yeah. some stuff and you're like, eh, no, nah, I could do better. But then you kind of get your creative juices flowing. Yeah, another, a, a very quick example of that because I know we're out of time on this story almost, but but this idea of me being able to say, okay, I need to quickly construct a composition. And by composition, I mean generally the mountains are here and generally the building is over here and generally our main character is here in the foreground. And they're kind of positioned in a, a natural sort of a uh, human is drawn to it and their eyes are drawn to it in a very good compositional way. I used to take classes on this. If there was ways to do that with just very basic objects and say, throw all that out for me so I can just have some inspiration and then work from that. There's something there. There's something to that because the way we do things digitally anyway, we're always using reference photos and references anyway. So, so I, I have no problem with that kind of stuff in terms of how it might affect me. Uh, but in the meantime, I don't think anybody should be in any hurry to say, well, I'm going to have my next children's book illustrated by this AI because you're not, not going to like that's the That's not result. what this is about at all. It's right. not meant <laughs> right. to do that, right? And right. Uh, if there's any any folks out there who who use this kind of stuff, send us feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Let us know what this is being used for because there are so many purposes that this can help that people kind of skip on by because they want to go right to where Scott's talking about of like, is it going to affect me? Is it going to replace mm-hmm. me? <laughs> yeah. The other one final thing, the other cool thing, it's a little bit like watching a little kid draw for the first time. So you see a two year old, two and a half year old, and they first put crayon to paper. And there is this feeling of, oh, my gosh, he's going to do it. He's going to draw a dog. It's going to happen right here in front of my eyes. There's a little (laughs) bit of that happening here. The AI is like a, a, you know, a toddler and we're getting to see how we can get that toddler to do things we I mean, never thought of. The icon in the tape too ain't bad. It's not terrible. A two year old, I mean, a two year old could do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple on there that might, you know, may give me a little pause. The tutu and the dog aren't that bad. They're all right. The avocado gives me more pause. <laughs> I want an avocado chair. I told Tom before the show, my birthday's <laughs> yes. in October. Get, better get cracking, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I will sit in that. Well, uh, let's talk about one final thing in the Minecraft world. Hey, Minecraft players, the Minecraft team announced a little bit of sad news. It will soon shut down its AR mobile game, Minecraft Earth. You may remember this was a game that was positioned to compete with the likes of Pokemon Go and other augmented reality games. 
Uh, the team said the game was originally created to encourage free movement and collaborative play, two things that become near impossible in, a, in the current global situation. Uh, the final update to the game uh, reduces the time needed to craft and the cost of materials to let players enjoy the game while staying at home. In-app purchases have been disabled and paid ruby coins will be converted into mine coins that can be used on a wider Minecraft marketplace. You can use it for actual Minecraft to buy in-game stuff. Play and download, uh, or sorry, play and downloads of Minecraft Earth will end on June 30th. And player data will be deleted promptly on July 1st. So this is uh, right about time people start going back outside in the world if everything goes to plan. <laughs> yeah, you'd mentioned that in pre-show, and I would, I would like to tag on to that. This, um, these, these are two weird pullouts from Microsoft this year that I didn't expect. Uh, this one seemed like it was gaining a little ground. I know some players that were enjoying it. It was coming, you know, it was coming along. And now that we're getting to a place where we might be out more come spring and summer and that sort of thing, pulling the plug this early just seems a little, I don't know, premature. It's not like they couldn't keep it going. They've got the money to do it. Um, a lot like pulling Mixer right before a massive new console launch. Um, yeah, Mixer wasn't doing great. Minecraft Earth wasn't doing great, but Microsoft can take these experiments further, and I sometimes wish they would. Uh, so it bums me out a little bit. But hey, Minecraft, uh, gen- generally Minecraft is all good, sitting there doing what Minecraft does. You're just not going to be able to play this version of it anymore. All right, let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Thor from what he calls finally cold Oslo, Norway. Congratulations, Thor. I wanted to add to the conversation we were having about electric cars. We talked about uh, EVs with Tim Stevens on Monday. We talked about it a little bit more yesterday. Thor says, in Norway, we have tax incentives to buy electric vehicles, and we have generally higher wages. This has allowed Teslas to become quite prevalent in a pretty short amount of time. I used to see Volvos wherever I went. Now I know there's always a Tesla, at least one, parked somewhere within sight. The increase is interesting and probably makes sense since most if not all of the electricity in Norway is from hydroelectric plants. But that also means that as Norway gets greener, battery production is probably making other places less green. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, our tax credits are are lowering. We we now have a we used to have a seventy five hundred dollar tax credit for an electric vehicle. Now it's down to thirty seven fifty for twenty twenty, and then it's going to go down. I think it's eighteen seventy five mm-hmm. for the latter half. Uh, but we see a lot of them around. Los Angeles and San Francisco, too. So I, I, I kind of feel you, Thor. Not as cold, though, in those places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oslo. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, thanks, Thor. It's always nice to to hear from the ground, from yeah. where people are in various places, places in the world. Also, nice to know that we have patrons at our master and grandmaster levels. Today, they include Justin Zellers, Miss Music Teacher, and Mike McLaughlin. Thanks to Scott Johnson for being with us today. Scott, I don't know how cold it is in the SLC, but what have you been up to? Weirdly, it's in the 40s today. It's usually uh, like below freezing, so I don't know what's going on. Probably a storm coming. But while that's happening and if people are thinking, man, I sure could use an escape from uh, the daily rigors of life with uh, some sort of headphones, well, then I might recommend a show that's now going on 11 years called Film Sack. We've been doing it that long. It's a show that tackles different movies each week. A lot of stuff in the 80s and 90s, but more recent stuff as well. And we don't just focus on garbage or the great stuff. We do a lot of stuff in between. We're doing Almost Famous this weekend. Last weekend, we did uh, Air Force One. And the weekend after that, we're doing uh, Cliffhanger with Arnold, or not Arnold Schwarzenegger, with um, Sylvester Stallone, if I can get my action heroes right. <laughs> uh, that sounds like fun. It is. Uh, four hosts having a blast every week. Go check it out, filmsack.com for details. 
And for everything else I've got going, you can find me at frogpants.com. Ooh, uh, real quickly, Jim Video points out Clip could be used to help blind people know what is going on around them. There, there's stuff that does that, but it could help it ah, get better at that. Yeah, one. yeah. Nice. Jim Video did that in our Discord, which you can get by being a patron. And you know what else you get by being a patron? An ad-free feed of DTNS. Support us on Patreon. Get your own personal RSS feed supported directly by you. Sponsored by you. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash Patreon. Uh, we love everybody who watches and listens at their leisure, but we are live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Put it on your calendar. We'll be back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.